What's the future of business and what role does technology play in that? That's what we're going to talk about with Brian Solis, author of WTF or What's the Future of Business? Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Brian Solis. He is the Principal at Altimeter Group, a research-based business advisory firm in out in San Francisco. Uh, is author of The End of Business as Usual and a fairly new book called What's the Future of Business? Changing the Way Businesses Create Experiences. So, uh, Brian, welcome. Thank you so much, John. So, you talk in this book, uh, obviously the, the subtitle uh, being... Uh, uh, changing the way business create experiences. So obviously, um, you, or actually, I should go back all the way to the title. Title: What's the future of business? And, and let's just start there. Then, even you know, what is the future of business? Well, you know, the the idea for the book came from the publisher. Actually, we were um, kind of regrouping after the end of business as usual, and uh, my editor just kind of leaned over with a smile and said, "So you just you just killed business. What's the future?" That's <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a great title for a book. And also, what's the future stands for WTF, which is the, you know, what I'm usually saying a lot of times after these executive meetings when we're talking about technology and we're talking about how things are changing and you, know, you kind of bash your head against the wall because people just aren't necessarily getting it in a way that you know they should. But what I realized, though, was one of the reasons I kept saying WTF over and over again was because as a technology research firm, you buy just the very nature of being start conversations with technology. And when you look at how businesses are sort of reacting to all of these changes that are taking place, we too are addressing it with sort of a technology-first solution. So you have things like, you know, customer-facing uh, initiatives like on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. Uh, you have internal initiatives around enterprise social networks like Yammer or Chatter. But what we tend to miss is sort of the human approach. Why are we doing this? What are we trying to do that's different than the way we did it before? If we took the technology out of the equation, what would the intention be? And what is the experience as it exists today? And what is the experience that we want people to have? And to do that or to answer that takes what I sort of call a form of digital anthropology, where you look at what people are doing, what they're saying, what they're sharing, what they're experiencing, and then measure the gap and use technology, use intentions, use experiences as a way to close that gap. You know, it's funny. I am. Um, we were talking off uh, before we started today about uh, social media marketing world, and I'm actually speaking at a, a number of conferences in about a six-week period with the same message. I think a lot of people have really um, I've been doing this long enough that, you know, integrated marketing, you know, first meant make sure that you're using the same colors and the same fonts and, uh, and you know, sales and sales and advertising have the same message. Um, and, and then all of a sudden all of these, uh, I guess people are calling them channels, you know, Facebook and mobile and all these things kind of came and just fragmented the heck out of it. I've actually been having some conversations with people about this this whole idea of channels and, and what you just said really seemed to uh, to mesh with that nicely. I, I, I'm telling people that I think clarity and culture and, and methodology, you know, are actually channels that a lot of these tools really just allow us to do a better job with. Yeah, absolutely. It really does come down to, to intention. And, and you use a magic word there, which is culture. You know, a lot of companies sort of are underestimating what 
what the culture of their organization really is, right? When you look at even, say, a vision statement for most companies, it's really hard to sort of imagine that a human being probably uttered those words. You know, you know that it probably was developed from the marketing department, just like a lot of times executive statements are generated by, you know, the publicity department or the corporate communications department. What we're now seeing, though, is that in an era of extreme transparency and also extreme empowerment, right, people are using technology, and whether they realize it or not, they're becoming more informed, they're becoming more connected, they're becoming more empowered, and their expectations are going through the roof. What they want and what they expect and what they expect from you are things that businesses aren't necessarily addressing today. So, for example, you know, when you look at the, the traditional four P's of marketing, and this is something that's been discussed you know, for years, uh, you're missing two important P's. One is people. And the other one is purpose. What what are we really trying to do? And when people's expectations are you know increasing like they they are today, and 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 it's not slowing down by any means, we have to just take a step back and say, look, what is it that we really want to accomplish here? What do relationships with customers look like? What is the experience we want them to have before? during and after a transaction. I mean, like, let's really think about what a customer life cycle actually means if it was to manifest itself into like a, into a feeling, into an experience, into an expression. And what I actually believe is it's that time to look at, for example, I, I did this uh, for, for a number of companies where I'll just kind of look at the words that they use to describe themselves on their website and then I'll go and see what people are sharing in terms of experiences in social networks, and I'll put a word cloud together. Here's the words you use to describe yourself, and here are the words that your customers are using to describe the experience with, with your company. And they're often extreme, and some of them are, are hilarious, especially when you, when you start doing this for cable companies or, yeah. or, or phone networks or airlines. <laughs> right. And, you know, the, the idea was, look, Technology is important, yes, but your the psychology, the behavior of your customers changing, and therefore so should your culture, so should your behavior, so should your mindset. And when you can measure what an experience is and what an experience should be, you, I think your mission becomes clearer. Then technology, omni-channel, all of these things can be used to sort of bring that experience to life, but it has to start somewhere. You know, and it's funny, um, when I read the book, I, uh, again, I, I keep going back to, I've been doing this a long time. This idea is not really that new, actually. I, I, think, I think Peter Drucker uh, w- would probably be credited with saying some of these things. There was a great book I read in 1999 uh, called The Experience Economy, uh, Pine and Gilmore, uh, Work is Theater and Every Business is a Stage. I think the real difference, though, is that that they were saying it. They were smart. You know, they were saying this is coming or that this is what we need to be doing. But I think that what you're suggesting um, as maybe a, uh, an advancement of that idea is that, that consumers or customers not only expect better experiences, they believe they're entitled to them. And I think that that's the radical change. Uh, it was, it's no longer like a good idea. It's something you have to do. Yeah, exactly. And and I think you know, you're exactly right with, uh, with Drucker. There's a lot of there's a lot of even Joe Pine, um, you know, in the experience economy. There's what people have in share, right? So I think businesses, especially from a marketing standpoint, they've always gone after impressions, right? So what if you went after expressions instead? So what we're talking about is a, a, a level of influence where you're able to shape and steer what an experience should be 
before, during, and after not only the transaction, but just in every touch um, that you have with that customer. Or, or more importantly, what they just do and say and share freely of their own free will. That's, that's powerful, right? And that means that to do that, it has to be exceptional. And to be exceptional, it means it has to be intentional. And that, this takes forethought. This takes, this takes planning. This takes empathy, right? This is, you know, something that's been absent from business is just this extreme empathy. Talk to, talk to an airline agent the next time you get bumped off a flight or your flight gets canceled and, and look at the lack of empathy in that moment. Yeah, you know, my, we're really my, my looking favorite at, customer service expression. That's just our policy. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And, and, and it's amazing that, you know, empathy has just been absent as long as it has. But because, because transparency, right, and because of one of the things that's coming out of technology is, is that empowerment and those expectations, yeah, time is sort of running out. I call it digital Darwinism. You know, at some point, technology and society are going to evolve faster than your ability to adapt. And, you know, you can't win you know, executive favor with having a technology conversation. Right? A lot of these guys don't even read their own emails. You know, they're they're not necessarily proficient. They they, they see technology as just sort of a thing. They they look at social networks or all of these new channels as something their kids do or something that's a distraction. But it, it's a way of life now, and it's it's a way of life that they just don't know. And so, when and this is a pretty powerful and this is like a philosophical tangent, but if you think about it, these executives are bringing to the table their life experience, right? Every success they have, every challenges they had. They, they know what it was like one day to have to get up off the couch and turn a knob on a television to change it between four channels. You know, the, their, their experience is almost working against them because now you have digital natives who never will know the world like that. Uh, who don't know what a Kodak moment is. They know an Instagram moment. Yeah. You know, they, what the they, Yellow Pages they, is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So they already see the world differently. And we're trying to expect them to conform to the way that we want to do business, when in fact we actually have to think sort of psychologically about it. It, t- it just takes a different approach. And so that was what the book was about, you know, is to say these aren't new concepts, but here's how to do it. Here's how to bring about change, and here's how to use technology to bring about change so that you can matter in the moments of truth. And to do that, I thought, well, what better way to, to talk about the power of an experience than to make the book an experience itself? And yes, so it's, that's uh, why it's very quirky design. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for those of you uh, out there in listening land that don't have it uh, in front of you, it's square, it's got you know, lots of odd uh, images and text, or I shouldn't say odd, but maybe traditionally not used, <laughs> you know, the way text is used in, in traditional publishing and, and, you know, a lot of pages with just a few words on them, things like that. So, yeah, the book itself is a bit of an experience. You're right. And the, the other thing that I wanted to do, too, was just dem- to demonstrate uh, what happens when you can make the book an experience, right? That's one thing. But, two, this is how people are reading, right? They, they have tablets. They have smartphones. They're on the go. They need information packaged differently. Uh, so the book itself is, is literally designed to be an analog app. And it's a, it's a way to demonstrate to the reader that you have to take a different approach if you want to connect with today's customer. And the science, you know, all kinds of data already exists to show that our minds can process information better when it's packaged this way. So 
why not demonstrate it, show it? But more importantly, if it could be done with a book, imagine what, it could, what you could do with your business. Yeah. You know, what could you do with your engagement strategy, your content, et cetera? You know, you know, it is funny, though. I hadn't really thought about it this way, but, uh, you, you know, it really it is harder in some ways. I mean, it presents a challenge for, you know, the, the 50-year-old white guys sitting around a, a board table uh, or 60-year-old, whatever age you want to want to give. I, I, I am have become the you know tech department for my you know father um and <laughs> um, and i don't know if you've ever experienced this you know i try to explain a basic concept on a computer and i can't even do it because i don't understand how to break it down to that because he doesn't understand even what a file is for example you know so how do how do i explain that concept and i think that that's you know that's probably a challenge that a lot of businesses find themselves in they they, they really aren't thinking like and in fact i'd, I'd like you to it's not even Gen Y, right? Uh, we've got an, an, another generation that's that, that's coming uh, behind that uh, group that's that's never seen the world the way that the people designing the world, you know, see it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is um, this is a big problem, right? I mean, we haven't even seen the the extent of how much this has really been a to, to erode the foundation of a lot of businesses, small businesses, large businesses, education, even. I mean, yeah, things are question. things are changing. <laughs> across the board and that's why really what I try to do with the book and, and one of the reasons it's, it's very visual is that you really don't even have to understand technology to really get the fact that things are different and that it's going to take a different approach so I introduce some light I don't want to say deep but some light elements of user experience design uh, because it's, its philosophy is to better understand the people that you're trying to reach how they consume, how they act, how they interact, so that you could design an experience that meets their needs and expectations. And so now what we're we're doing is we're sort of bringing the worlds of of business and design together so that you don't have to be a master of technology in order to be relevant. You just have to want to be relevant in the rest of basically what the book is about. That that is an absolutely great point. Um, You, as any good uh, future Book, book with the, the title Future in it, you introduce a couple of what I would call future-ish concepts, and I, I, I'll just kind of throw them out there and, and you can talk about it. You already mentioned the one that I had on here, digital uh, Darwinism. So maybe maybe you want to tightly sort of just define that one. Yeah, well, digital Darwinism is, is this idea that um, you know businesses, it's, it's, it's not necessarily survival of the fittest, it's more like survival of the fitting, and, and it kind of comes back to that idea of relevance. You know, technology and society are evolving. There's no doubt about that. What isn't evolving as quickly are just businesses, the ability to, to adapt, or even just the concept of resilience. Uh, we, we look at it as change management. We, we address it with technology and roadmaps. We, we, we try to bring, uh, bring about it in terms of um, new channels and new ways to push information out. But what's not changing is the inside, is, is the philosophy, the approach, the perspective. And that, to me, is the, is the most dangerous element of this. And digital Darwinism just basically says that if you're not trying to compete for relevance in, in, in its truest sense, then you, by default, compete for irrelevance. And I have this funny little equation that, you know, ignorance plus um, arrogance equals irrelevance. And that, to me is where we have to start. And it starts with the, the, the management mentality of an organization to say, you know what, this is a time to be a leader, not a manager. Yeah, and I think that isn't one of the real challenges, though, using your um, um, Darwin um, 
metaphor here. I mean, in one of the challenges is sometimes you have to like bite your tail off because now we got to get in the water and be able to swim without a tail. I mean, isn't that the challenge for a lot of people is that a lot of the uh, change or the, the way to stay relevant is to actually, you know, gut one of their biggest profit centers, for example. Oh man. Yeah. Well, that's the scary part, right? And I'll tell you the, the one thing I hear all the time is why, why do we need to change if, if we have a fat profit margin, our, our balance sheets, our spreadsheets, look great and you report to shareholders and stakeholders and you know this is these are our priorities and kind of why I, I, I often bring in this in this moment the the show Undercover Boss. Um, it's 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 a brilliant show. It, it everybody loves it. Um, and if you think about why that show does really well, it's because we're all watching it being in that position where we don't think our boss gets it. We think that they've lost touch, you know, and, and it's neat to watch that executive go through the steps of a customer or go through the steps of an employee and fail and fall. And there's validation in that for us. And we're like, yes, that's exactly what I've been talking about. And it's also marvelous at the end that every executive is given the gift of empathy, right? And they realize what it was like to be an employee, what it was like to be a customer, what it was like to be a human being. And the fact that they were reporting up instead of reporting you know, to everybody else and, and making, making things matter. So what happens in that moment isn't that they have to cut off their tail. It's just they see the world a bit differently, a little bit more open. And what happens there is that you're not just competing for the moment, right? You, you, if you're profitable today, that's great. But what is going to happen five years from now? You know how long it takes to change. What are we investing in? What are we looking at? How are we changing the inside of the organization to start to lay the seeds to compete for the future? Because if consumerism is changing at this incredible rate, which it is, then is this product and is this approach to selling and marketing and servicing this product going to be what customers are going to expect five or ten years from now? And, you know, you called it earlier with Gen Z right behind Gen Y. That That is a true digital native that we have yet to even understand. And they control, by the way, the household. They're already responsible for $30 billion, uh, in in sales and influence on sales. So they're, they're only going to grow up becoming more influential and more foreign to the people that are running organizations today. This this is dangerous in, in the future if we don't start taking this seriously. And they, by the way, once I, I referred to in, in the book this this concept of Generation C, which is the generation connected, which it sort of takes away the age group and just says, look, once you start living a digital lifestyle, you, you all, most people will just start acting the same. Touch points change, decision making changes, influence change. So it's you're you're not just competing for kids; you're actually competing for a greater subset of the market that's just incredibly connected. Yeah, it's it's a mindset as much as anything. I mean, it's it's I don't have a I don't have a landline. I don't watch TV. I you know I get I consume my news on a you know screen no bigger than X. I mean, I think it's it's all of those things, and that can you're right that that's a that's a broad demographic age, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and it's and it's growing, right? I I, I call it out as you, know, you have you have your traditional and, and even to some extent your digital customers that. You know, have been with us for a long time. We, we, we market to them with websites. We, we, we have all kinds of really just great strategies that reach them, but that connected customer is so different. And of all the customers out there, it's the only group. It's the only category that's growing while the others are shrinking. Uh, you want to hit a, hit another, um, future concept or, or concept that I, I believe you, you, uh, you get to claim credit for uh, trying to advance. And that's the idea of the cluster funnel. 
I, I love that because I, I've been picking on the marketing funnel for a long, long time and, and invented my own kind of um, um, metaphor that I call the marketing hourglass, you know, which, which again, I think really does address this idea of, of the experience too, but, but uh, lay your uh, cluster funnel on us. Well, the cluster funnel is uh, it's just a funny, a funny way to get some attention um, that, that really says, look, um, data shows that decision-making is really much more of an elliptical journey. Uh, and in, in the book, I sort of break that out. It's something that I also introduced in, in the end of business as usual. Uh, it's research that's been also um, published by uh, McKinsey and uh, every, every smart group has sort of been able to map this new journey. It's almost like digital ethnography. Uh, but the cluster funnel was just my, my way of just saying, look, look how silly the funnel approach is. Because most businesses, by the way, are siloed. They, they, they are designed for various stages of the funnel. So for, for all intents and purposes, it worked for a long time. But when there is no funnel, you know, and you are shooting these arrows into the ether, you're not going to hit anything if nobody's there. And so the cluster funnel was, is just, is a mockery to say, look, Here's, here's what happens. You, uh, you, you, you use all this marketing and clever language and a lot of money are spent to persuade someone to get in. And then you use something as the hook so you can kind of get them and pull them and drag them in. And then you have this exchange, which is the transaction, quote unquote. And then you have the distance. You know, we got you as a customer now. We'll see you later. But then we need you again because we have a new product or an upsell or a cross-sell. So I call that the re-enchantment. And then the governance, which is sort of the final stage of where you're at as a customer, is this idea of CRM and customer lifecycle. You are now a number in the system, and nobody across the organization can access it except this one group, and it's no one knows who you are, and it's a and it's a mess. And and, and Hugh McLeod or at Gaping Void for those who who follow his art, you know, put. He has original art in each chapter, and, and, and right behind the cluster funnel, he has this really cool cartoon that says, the funnel doesn't care uh, who falls into it. The funnel just cares about the funnel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Hugh's great. Um, let, let me ask you one um, pr- probably parting question because we're running out of time. But, uh, you know, I think there was a period of time when a lot of social started kicking in, and uh, or at least online purchasing and started kicking in, where people were kind of talking about branding being dead in a way that it was all about, you know, commerce and transaction and, you know, we didn't, we didn't need to waste money on, you know, building brands so much in, in the traditional sense, I think. And I think a lot of when I, when I hear more and more people talking about, you know, the, the experience, I mean, to me, that's sort of the ultimate brand element, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, I think that, you know, the future of business is shared experience. The future of brand is shared experience. It's, it comes back to that old saying, it's not what you say about you, it's what they say about you that counts. And as in, in a connected society, you know, going back to that old, uh, other example uh, earlier in the conversation about the word clouds, you know, that is, you know, what people are saying and sharing is your brand. Right. It's just, you know, we, for the longest time, have been able to kind of control what the brand was because we could outspend customers. We could out-media, out-market customers. So we essentially, through a concerted effort, branding was able to tell people what we wanted them to at least hear. Now, as, as societies become more connected, right, 
in the in the new customer journey in in the book, I, I, I outline what's essentially the, the influence loop, and I break it down into the four moments of truth. If you can recognize that what people are saying and sharing and the experiences that they're having with businesses isn't vanishing, right? It's essentially going into this pool, this repository, this cloud that is that is discoverable. If I go and do a Google search today, I might see your website, but I might also see reviews or blog posts. Um, and one of the other things, sorry for the, that the answer is long, but you know, the connected customer does things differently. So what if they don't go to Google? You know, a lot of them are going to YouTube. They want to see videos of people who have experiences with your product or your business or your company because it's easier for them to process a two-minute video than it is to go read a website, uh, especially on a small screen, by the way. Yeah. So when you, when you realize that experiences are becoming incredibly concerted and connected, they're not going away, they're growing every single day, we're now starting to see this upset in the balance where the connected customer as a whole can now outmarket your brand spending. So why not complement it? Why not invest in it? Why not invest in shared experiences so that whatever you're doing on a traditional branding side is also matched or, or at least equal uh, through the experiences people are having and sharing. Talking with Brian Solis, and it is What's the Future of Business? And it's uh, WTFBusiness.com. Is that right? Is that the site you set up for? The that business? is it. Okay. And uh, any, anywhere else you want to send people to find more information, or is that, that a good starting point? That's a great starting point. And if you have any questions, too, you can also reach out to me on Twitter at Brian Solis. Great. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, bump into you uh, out there. I think I'm headed to San Francisco sometime this uh, spring or summer, so maybe we'll bump into you out there on the road. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Brian.